Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janine Moloff, the producer and host. This week's been, shall we say, unusual, even for right-wingers. You know, by now, in the news cycle, everybody is talking about Kanye West's uh, insane bigotry. Or Now he prefers he's changed his name legally to Yay. Whatever. I don't feel like saying yay. I feel like saying boo. But yay was on a podcast with Alex Jones. And his statements, especially against Jews, were so horrendous that even Alex Jones had to kind of look back. You know, Kanye West made the insane, and I do mean insane, statement. And I'll quote he, he said, quote, I love Jewish people, but I also love Nazis, end quote. Okay, forget the fact that the two categories of people, of people are diametrically opposed. You know, we're talking uh, historic enemies. The Nazi war machine murdered in excess of 11 million people. The reason the Jews are mentioned so often is because we were the category that was the highest number of people that were actually exterminated. Of the 11 million, six, a little over 6 million were Jews, and the remainder were uh, people from the Roma people, which is commonly but incorrectly called uh, gypsies. They uh, murdered as well people with disabilities. They murdered people from the gay community. They murdered righteous Gentiles. In other words, Christians that knew this was wrong and took a stand. Uh, they murdered intellectuals. They murdered uh, lawyers. Anybody that got in their way for the most part. It's just that Jews, um, I'd say Jews, the gay community, and um, what else? Other groups that, according to the... the uh, superstition called eugenics are considered inferior all right but it was a massive genocide and what a lot of outsiders don't understand is that the actual term genocide was coined after the holocaust i think winston churchill was one of the first people to mention it that's how you know insidious this is so if you saw our advert and again it's hard to see our advert because we're way down on the algorithm on facebook the headline is Nazism from Trump, Yay, and Fuentes, being Nick Fuentes. And it is not too harsh to call them Nazis. Uh, in fact, it's not too harsh to call white supremacists Nazis. What a lot of Americans do not understand, including Jewish Americans, is that Hitler's main reason for murdering certain populations, especially Jews, was a bit less about religious bigotry, that was part of it, but it, and, and the blood libel that was actually a uh, libelous story spread by the medieval church in the Dark Ages, but, and, but also it was mostly because Jews were not regarded as being fully white. We were called a mud race. Okay, so think of the metaphor. You have black dirt, you have rain. Put them together, it's a lighter color, it's mud. He called us a mud race, meaning mixed race or multiracial. And truth be told, it's true. All right? So 
you know, people in communities of color that prefer to see Jews as totally white, that's not accurate. And the reason why, again, Hitler chose the Jews to for extermination was largely because we were viewed as people of color, no matter how pale we are. And that is backed up by actual documentation. You don't have to go any further than the Nuremberg trials and the evidence that was presented there because the Nazi war machine was so proud of their mass murder, they kept meticulous records on every atrocity they committed. On top of on top of the paper records, they filmed it. So when you get a Holocaust denier and moron like Nick Fuentes claiming couldn't have happened, well, we have proof otherwise. And so if you look at the advert, you know it says Donald Trump had dinner with noted anti-Semite Kanye West or Ye and noted Nazi sympathizer, which is a little kinder than he deserves, Nick Fuentes. After the fallout, Trump laughingly claimed he didn't know Fuentes. Now, Fuentes broadcast are he let me put let me back up here. I found out a little more information, so when I make a mistake I'll admit it. Fuentes previously broadcast from the very network that has been by Trump's side since twenty seventeen, namely right side broadcasting. It is important to note though that right side broadcasting did fire Fuentes in August of twenty seventeen. Uh, because they felt he had gone too far. All right, so, you know, fair is fair. Um, it's hard to believe, though, that Trump doesn't pay any attention to the group that's been loyal to him without fail. Right side broadcasting, especially before Fuentes was fired, was by his side nonstop. They had, um, excuse me, oh, I'm trying to take this sweater off, it's too hot in here. Um, hold on a second, folks. Sorry about this. My microphone got messed up. So. All right, I'm back. That was a little bit of acrobatics. My microphone got caught in my sweater, uh, my my pullover sweater, you know, sleeve. So, you know, this is again a small operation. So right side broadcasting that Fuentes used to work for has been by Trump's side uh, since the beginning, since uh, definitely since 2017. And again, in all fairness, right side broadcasting did fire Fuentes when they felt he went too far in terms of bigotry. Uh, it should also be noted that according to an article in Alternet, um, you know, and an article in Political Magazine, um, Right Side Broadcasting does have, for instance, one of their top people is an Orthodox Jew. I can't for the life imagine why he's working for them, but he is, and there's a few people of color there. But, you know, this is a white supremacist group. At least that's the way I interpret it. But anyway, Right Side Broadcasting received uh, basically a seat right beside Fox, right beside, you know, CNN and all the others, even though it's a small operation because they fluffed Donald's ego, okay? So it's hard to believe that Donald didn't know who Nick Fuentes was when he met and had dinner with these two men. Um, and we're going to get into that. In any case, this story will speak to not only growing Nazism in the U.S., but the moral cowardice of the GOP and the corporate media. The shameful truth is that the USA has tolerated Nazism in the form of white supremacy for decades now, as long as it's wrapped in the flag and the cross. 
All right. I don't believe all Christians feel that way, but there's a group of white Christian nationalists that definitely do. They've bragged about it recently. You don't have to look any further than Marjorie Taylor Greene, Doug Mastriano. Uh, yay. I mean, I'm sorry, but it, even though he's a black man, which is, again, hard for me to understand. So let's get into our story. Okay. This is going to be, uh, this is a, pardon my French, a real shit show. So, you know, the blatant Nazism that we are seeing coming from the far right, the alt-right, the GOP, isn't so, you know, the, the mainstream GOP has tried to paint that the, the alt-right is not part of mainstream GOP. The mainstream GOP is not anti-Semitic, they're not racist, and so on, except that's not true. They've just closeted it with code words. Now, the blatant Nazism is the logical end product of this not-so-closeted bigotry pushed by, yes, the mainstream GOP. And before the GOP and the Southern strategy, it was the Dixiecrats of the Democratic Party. You have to be fair here. But first was the Dixiecrats of the Democratic Party with their blatantly racist creed. And then the Republicans saw that, hmm, we're losing votes so they created a southern strategy, and it was engineered to dilute and nullify the power of not only liberal voters, but especially black voters. And this, is, this was started in you know, the 70s, 60s, 70s, and this strategy uses coded words to disguise blatant racist statements with thinly veiled statements. And you know, this is, you don't have to look any further than the late um, Lee Atwater. Now, Atwater was the GOP advisor to, get this, we're talking very mainstream GOP here. Lee Atwater was a GOP advisor to then-President Ronald Reagan. He was a campaign manager for George H.W. Bush, Bush Sr., in other words. And he was the chairman of the Republican National Committee. Now, Lee Atwater infamously explained the gaslighting strategy used by, by racists in the GOP. Gaslighting is that term where somebody is trying to drive you crazy. They say things that you know are wrong, that aren't true, and then they say, oh, you're crazy, you're imagining things. So here's the quote that Atwater, that started all this at Atwater Push. To quote from Lee Atwater, and I'm going to use this southern accent, quote, you start out in 1954 by saying, and I hate this word, nigger, nigger, nigger. Sorry about that. By 1968, you can't say, nigger, that hurts you, backfires. So you say stuff like forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. You're getting so abstract now that you're talking about cutting taxes. And all these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and a byproduct of them is that blacks get hurt worse than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is part of it. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, that we are de- doing away with the racial problem one way or another. You follow me? Because obviously sitting around and saying we want to cut this is much more abstract than even the busing thing and a hell of a lot more abstract than N-word, N-word. I hate saying that word. That came from Lee Atwater. At the top ranks, the top echelon of the GOP at the national level. Okay, this is, 
and and now it's being used. The bigots are claiming that they're not really trying to incite violence. It's just satire. They're just joking. So now the bigots are using a more sophomoric, frat boy version of what Atwater put. Okay. So let's let's look at this. Okay. So one source I have that pushes this idea because this all comes together. All right. This is about systemic slander and defamation of specific groups of minorities, which makes it easier for white, especially white Christians, to dehumanize them in their minds, and then it clears the way for them eventually to get violent. That's what we saw on January 6th. You, you, you look at the tapes of January 6th, and you see as many flags with the cross on it as you do Trump flags. Okay, that's not what Jesus preached, but that's what you see. So from the Guardian, British newspaper, the headline is Hiding in Plain Sight, How the Alt-Right is Weaponizing Irony to Spread Fascism. I don't know if I'd call it irony, frankly, but they do. Okay, so this was a piece, and it documents this, and it was written by uh, Jason Wilson, and it was published in May of 2017. So, once again, the subtitle is, quote, experts say the alt-right have stormed mainstream consciousness by using humor and ambiguity as tactics to wrong-foot their opponents. Basically, they're hiding behind, oh, we're just joking, we don't mean it. <clears throat> now, Jews are their favorite, ta- uh, their favorite, um, um, their favorite target, but... How would, um, I don't know, it's the same as, you know, saying slanderous things about black men that aren't true. It resulted in lynch mobs. And that's what we're really talking about here. Uh, Ye has disclosed that he has bipolar disorder. Okay, fine. I don't think that's an excuse for his bigotry, but the fact is you've got uh, Nick Fuentes who has been involved in this since his teens. Okay, and we're talking, they are not just inciting people, they're inciting a future lynch mob. This is a lynch mob mentality. And the first step is to slander and defame those you hate so that anything they claim will be thoroughly discredited. So when you look at this article here, um, you know, they talk about how this has been used. Okay, so apparently the Data and Society Institute released a report that's documented by datasociety.net regarding online disinformation and manipulation that's involved in U.S. politics. And I'm going to read straight from this quote. The report focused on the way in which far-right actors, quote, spread white supremacist thought Islamophobia and misogyny through irony and knowledge of internet culture, end quote. Goes on to say, quote, one of the report's authors, Dr. Alice Marwick, says that fascist tropes first merged with irony in the murkier corners of the internet before being adopted by the alt-right as a tool. For, for the new far-right movement, quote, irony has a strategic function. It allows people to disclaim a real commitment to far-right ideas while still espousing them, end quote. What this means is 
the use of irony or just saying they're just joking. It's a way to give these bigots plausible deniability. Oh, see, we're not saying that all Jews should be, you know, murdered. We're not saying, you know, when we, when we have T-shirts or sweatshirts that say six million wasn't enough, we're just joking. No, you're not joking. Okay, that's not a joke. And it never will be. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Damn asthma. Now, Dr. Marwick goes on to say that from the early 2000s, quote, on message boards like 4chan, um, calculatedly offensive language and imagery have been used to, quote, provoke strong reactions in outsiders, end quote. goes on to say, quote, calling all users fags or creating memes using gross racial stereotypes, quote, serves a gatekeeping function in that it keeps people out of these spaces many of which are very easy to access, end quote. Now, you also have people like Nick Fuentes claim that this is cancel culture, all right? Uh, this article in 2017 mentions, for instance, Milo Yiannopoulos, um, who insisted that, quote, the alt-right movement's circulation of anti-Semitic imagery was really nothing more than transgressive fun, and that was, he was talking about, um, the anti-Semitic imagery on Breitbart. And to quote Yiannopoulos, quote, are they actually bigots? No more than death metal devotees in the 1980s were actually Satanists. For them, it's simply a means to fluster their grandparents, end quote. No, Mr. Yiannopoulos, it's, that's not true. Okay. Um, and this article goes on to say, quote, what Yiannopoulos left out, according to Marwick, Dr. Marwick, is that these spaces increasingly became attractive to sincere white supremacists. They offered them venues for recruitment and new methods for popularizing their ideas. In other words, troll culture became a way for fascism to hide in plain sight, end quote. I'm going to read that statement again. Quote, in other words, troll culture became a way for fascism to hide in plain sight, end quote. And it's true. Um, Dr. Marwick also pro pointed to another alt-right uh, site that has since been closed down, published by uh, Andrew Anglin, who is a Nazi, and he had a site, a prominent Nazi site called the Daily Stormer, which is um, named after an old Nazi site, De Sturmer. And uh, apparently, the Daily Stormer, uh, run by Andrew Anglin, previously, quote, credited quote, troll culture with bringing about, quote, non-ironic Nazism masquerading as ironic Nazism. Okay, I'm going I'm to read that whole sentence now. Quote, Marwick, there was Dr. Marwick, quote, Marwick points to another guide to the alt-right published last on, uh, on Andrew Anglin's prominent Nazi site, The Daily Stormer, which credited, quote, troll culture with bringing about, quote, non-ironic Nazism masquerading as ironic Nazism, end quote. It goes on to say, quote, irony allows people to strategically distance themselves from the very real commitment to white supremacist values that many of these forums have, end quote. And you have to realize, these are people that, like the worst type of cowards, will smile to your face, tell you you're oversensitive, we're just joking, but they're getting ready to put a knife in your back if the opportunity presents itself and they think they can get away with it. And we saw that on January 6th. 
keep in mind, I still remember at the Republican convention, and, you know, there were Nazi salutes and hail Trump of Trump as documented by TheAtlantic.com. See, unlike Mr. Fuentes, we actually document our sources. You know, and we're going to get to that in a minute because I actually listened to an hour of Nick Fuentes' rant. You know, some people, I don't know how he gets away with it because it was just a bunch of ludicrous um, frat boy crap. Not a single fact, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So, you know, what? according to this article, what compounds this confusion, and that's why these, these cowards love it, is that online, it is difficult to tell, quote, tell the difference between sincerity and satire, end quote. And it is. You know, just to use the memes alone. There, you know, how many of us have texted something to somebody or responded on Facebook or whatever, and we misinterpreted what was said because the other person used a meme and they just said, you're getting, you're getting oversensitive, that's not what I meant. Well, that's because memes, for instance, are not effective communication. And they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be deceptive. And so, you know, this is what's happening. Uh, this article cited Ray Milner, who teaches communication at the College of Charleston. Uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Milner, excuse me. And Milner is also, the, at, at, this was in 2017, Milner was the co-author of a book called The Ambivalent Internet. And according to this article, quote, the book is the implications of prose law an internet adage that points to the difficulties of online communication and of distinguishing extremist views from parodies, end quote. Now they have a quote from Milner himself. <laughs> the previous quote was from the article. <laughs> Milner himself said, quote, unless you have an obvious market of another person's intent. Let me start again. <laughs> I'm a bad voice today, folks. Sorry about that. So let me backtrack a little bit. I want to make sure I'm being really accurate here. So this article that was published in 2017 uh, cited Ryan Milner, who at that time taught communication at the College of Charleston. He was also at that time the author of a book called The Ambivalent Internet, and that that book dealt with the implications of what's called Poe's Law. Now, Poe's Law is allegedly an Internet adage and it basically speaks to the difficulties and the miscommunication of online communication, you know, making it really hard to distinguish between extremist views from parodies. And according to Milner, he says, quote, unless you, are, unless you have an obvious marker of another person's intent, you can't really gauge that it, their intent. They could be messing around. They could be deadly serious. They could be a mix of both, end quote. <coughs> and he's right. So, this is what we're dealing with, folks. You know, you have a bunch of young people claiming that they're, what they wrote was a satire, even though it really doesn't have any of the actual formal rhetorical elements required to call it a satire. Or they'll claim that they're just being ironic, even though, again, what they said really doesn't meet the rhetorical uh the rhetorical qualifications 
to call it irony, whether it's dramatic irony, verbal irony, whatever. They're just using those those terms willy-nilly to justify not only their hate, but to justify their ignorance and stupidity. Okay? So you also have the instance where every time something that they claim is ironic is repeated and it deals with far-right ideas, that it helps build an audience and a climate where the ideas of racist and misogynist and Islamophobes and homophobes and mis- misogynist, that this is now normalized. And that's the most dangerous thing of all. That's why when you have someone like Kanye West pushing this out there, this is they're trying to normalize Nazism because all these bigotries, yes, it goes under the umbrella of Nazism. Anyone who's actually studied the Nazi regime will find the only people that Hitler and the Nazi war machine thought were worthy of being allowed to remain alive and free were straight, cisgendered, white men and their subservient women. And when they meant white, they meant Aryan, the whitest of the white. So those of you, for instance, let's say you're Italian, a little dark-skinned, you don't count. Not according to that. But they pick people off little by little. That's what they were talking about. So all these bigotries, yes, it does fall under the the generalized idea of Nazism. They didn't just go after Jews. That's um, that's misleading idea. It's not true. They went after a lot of people. They went after Jews because we weren't white enough. Um, Milner goes on to say, quote, every time you see a viral video of somebody shouting down a person of Muslim descent in a supermarket line, what you're seeing are the effects of an environment where it's increasingly normal, increasingly accepted, and expected to speak in this register whether or not that started out as a joke, end quote. And he, Milner's right. Okay? Just is. Um, they, this author also cited another author, Alexander Reed Ross, who agreed that irony has been used by the far right to chip away at whatever, you know, social prohibitions existed around publicly expressing what can only be called Nazi tropes, Nazi ideas. He wrote a book called Against the Fascist Creep, and it was published in 2016, and it deals with the long history of fascists as they attempted to, to normalize and mainstream their ideas and even sell some of them to the far left. Uh, according to Ross, quote, fascism is more or less a social taboo. It's unacceptable in modern society. Humor or irony is one of the ways that they can put forward their effective positions without having to fall back on, the, on any affirmative ideological positions, end quote. Ross also adds, quote, they're putting forward the anger, the sense of betrayal, the need for revenge, the resentment, the violence. They're putting forward the male fantasies, the desire for a national community and a sense of unity and a rejection of Muslims. They're doing all that, but they're not stating it, end quote. And it's true. It just is. Um, and it's important to dox these people. It just is. You can't let these people hide in the sidelines. Okay? So that's part of it. Now we're going to go on to another part of this. Okay. Now, 
I have another article here, and this one was from NPR, National Public Radio. And the headline is, How Extremists Weaponize Irony to Spread Hate. And this is by Tom Dreisbach, and it was written in April of 21. Okay. Um, Let me go straight to that. I know I have it here. Yeah, here it is. How Extremists Weaponize Irony to Spread Hate. Okay. So, and this one deals with Nick Fuentes. It's in the first paragraph of the article by NPR. Again, this was written, this article was published in April of 21. Quote, on a recent episode of his live stream show, the 22-year-old extremist Nick Fuentes repeated a formula that has won him a following with some of the youngest members of the far right. He, is, he went on an extended violent and misogynistic rant only to turn to the camera and add with a smirk, just joking, end quote. And, and you know what? When I watched his little diatribe last night, that's exactly what he does. Uh, and this article, I'm just reading from the article right now, quote, in this case from the April 22nd edition of Fuente's show, America First, a viewer wrote in to ask Fuentes for advice on how to punish his wife for getting out of line. Fuentes responded, why don't you smack her across the face? The rant went on for minutes. Again, reading straight from the article. Uh, Fuentes went on, quote, Why don't you give her a vicious and forceful backhanded slap with your knuckles right across her face disrespectfully and make it hurt? Uh, end quote. And at one point they say he pantomimed punching a woman in the face. Then he goes on. He then added, quote, No, I'm kidding, of course. Just kidding. Just a joke. End quote. Okay, that's not just a joke. Okay, the translation, when you read between the lines, is you can get away with it if you hide behind it just being a joke because that's your word against hers. But it's also inciting a lynch mob mentality. Make no mistake about it. Okay, according to the article from NPR, quote, Fuentes was following a playbook popular among domestic extremists, using irony and claims of just joking to spread their message while deflecting criticism, end quote. Um, and researchers, according to this article, who have followed domestic, ter- domestic extremism, I'm going to call it it's domestic terrorism, um, you know, said this tactic's not new, but apparently it's effective. Now, the next section of the article is irony as cover in quotes for extremism. Again, reading straight from the article, so no one can say I'm misrepresenting anything. Quote, Fuentes is best known for using cartoonish memes to spread white supremacist propaganda. His followers refer to themselves as gripers, a reference to a mutated version of Peppy the Frog cartoon. I'm sorry, let me go back again. (coughs) Sorry, folks. I'm going to read from this article again. Irony is cover for extremism. Again, from the NPR article. Fuentes is best known for using cartoonish memes to spread white supremacist propaganda. His followers refer to themselves as groipers, a reference to a mutated version of the Pepe the Frog cartoon that was co-opted by the far right. Though Fuentes exists on the fringes of the extreme right, of the extreme right representative Paul Gosar, Republican Arizona, spoke at a political conference that Fuentes hosted, drawing widespread criticism, end quote. 
Now, this article goes on to say Fuentes has said he uses irony in jokes to communicate his message, and that is as documented by YouTube.com. It's his program. Um, there's a quote here from Fuentes he, from a 2020 video. To quote Fuentes from a 2020 video, quote, irony is so important for giving a lot of cover and plausible deniability for our views. I'm going to go back again. This is a quote directly from Nick Fuentes in a 2020 interview. Quote, irony is so important for giving a lot of cover and plausible deniability for our views. Okay, end quote. And then he talks about Holocaust denial or what he calls Holocaust revision. Okay, and he goes on to say, Fuente says, quote, when it comes to a lot of these issues, you need a little bit of maneuverability um, that irony gives you, end quote. He did question the death toll of the Holocaust, even though, again, the Nazis kept meticulous records that were all presented during the Nuremberg trials. But Nick Fuentes, um, you know, he did attend college for a year and then he dropped out. Apparently, he doesn't like to read. I don't know. But researchers attract domestic extremism, going to call it what is domestic terrorism. You know, say Fuentes is the only guy that does this, all right? There's content creators all over the Internet from the far right that use this same tool. Um, so they quote Jared Holt, who is a resident fellow with the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab. To quote Jared Holt, quote, a lot of these content creators will tell the audience explicitly, when people say you're racist for liking this or thinking this, just laugh at them. They can't handle it. They're sensitive babies, end quote. Listen to that, man, and, and I, I believe Mr. Holt. <clears throat> Listen to that. Mm. There's more evidence here. Um, apparently in early 2020, there was an incident at the University of California, Los Angeles, in other words, UCLA. UCLA. Um, somebody named Una Flood was getting very worried about a classmate. The classmate was somebody named Christian Secor, 22 years old. Um, Secor was, uh, quote, already well-known for self-proclaimed love of guns, and that's as documented by NPR.org. And around that time, he was also posting racist and anti-Semitic memes and tweets, attacking immigrants online and publicly supporting Fuentes. Often, Secor adopted the kind of trolling style that's prevalent on the Internet. When one student, I'm just reading straight from this article, when one student called Secor out for a tweet that the student found offensive, Secor responded that he was using post-irony. It's called a joke, and the fact that you think these posts are anything more than that is telling added Secor. Okay, end quote. So Una Flood is Japanese-American, and Flood wanted to speak up. Um, apparently, Flood told NPR, quote, I definitely felt that sense of threat. And like, I really hate to say, because it sounds so much like overblown snowflake that we're just overreacting, you know, end quote. Apparently, through 2020, um, several students reported to NPR that UCLA did nothing to support, even though the rhetoric kept escalating and becoming more violent. And they were worried about free speech concerns. And UCLA, you know, they have to follow the First Amendment. They're a public university. You know, I, I get that. 
Um, and again, I'm not for censorship. But, you know, according to the article, Fled's concern, the, the writer of the article didn't, seem it was, didn't think it was an overreaction. Apparently, Mr. Secor is now, quote, according to this article, Christian Secor, quote, is currently facing federal criminal charges for allegedly storming the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Prosecutors have cited his support for Fuentes in charging documents. Secor has pleaded not guilty, end quote. Okay. Um, you have to remember the the... Proving incitement is a little bit difficult. Uh, again, you have a right to say ignorant things. Um, I think that UCLA could have done something to offer a platform to for rebuttal. Okay? But, you know, once again, and part of this also is really about those of us that believe in democracy and equal rights Yes, it is a frightening time, but we have to be willing to stick together and defend our rights. We can't let these people troll and bully and get away with it. Now, it also mentions the Proud Boys who were also involved in January 6th, and they quote um, the group's founder, Gavin McGinnis. Uh, McGinnis apparently sent an email um, and they sent an email that, quote, the media, including NPR, quote, willfully ignores jokes to paint the group in a more negative light. The Proud Boys are funny dudes, not Nazis, McGinnis wrote, end quote. Well, Mr. McGinnis is entitled to his opinion, and I'm entitled to mine. The Proud Boys are Nazis, in my opinion. And there's a wealth of proof to substantiate my claim. Okay. Um, they quoted Cassie Miller from the Southern Poverty Law Center, who said that the group's use of jokes is strategic. To quote Cassie Miller from the Southern Poverty Law Center, quote, it distracts from what their actual political ide- ideology is and from their violence. Because if you point it out, it's like, well, you're, they're so goofy, end quote. You know, I don't care if you're goofy or not. If you're preaching hatred, if you're preaching, if if you're slandering a group, yeah, you should be called out. And you know this deals with this this argument between, um, I guess people on the left that want a safe space on campus and those that scream cancel culture. Well, you know if you actually look at the First Amendment, you know the people on the on the right, on the far right, the conservatives have got it wrong. The First Amendment clearly states that you have a right to free speech that the government cannot censor. But it doesn't mean that other people don't have the right of rebuttal. Yeah, they can say ignorant things. We have the right of rebuttal. We have the right to boycott. We have the right to basically let everybody know what we think these people are. They don't have a right to slander, libel, or defame, especially when they present no evidence. They can be sued. Alex Jones found that out the hard way. If I were yay, I would think very, very carefully before he opened my mouth again. You know, when you slander, when you libel, when you defame, yes, you can be civilly sued, and you can lose everything. So stop whining about cancel culture, because it's not. Good God. 
so tired of this nonsense. Um, this the humor, the goofy aspect of it is to lure young people and especially young men. You know, remember when you were a teenager, even the nicest of guys had a thing for sick humor. I guess it's part of being an adolescent boy. I don't know. But it lures them in, and it's dangerous. And parents really need to know what their kids are looking at online. I'm not advocating for censorship at all. I'm saying parents, get off your lazy asses and see what your kids are doing. That's your responsibility. So, you know, this is um, Fuentes himself in 2020 was talking about, um, again, this just joking thing. He was talking about, as he calls it, quote, the language of other Zoomers. If you're, quote, if you're a young person online, I mean, this is the language of our generation. Every kid naturally wants to push away from their, okay, so uh, language of our generation, end quote. Maybe. Um, there was a writer named Joanna Schroeder in California. She was apparently troubled. She saw pro a pro-Hitler meme pop up in one of her kids' Instagram feeds. Um, and Schroeder was quoted in this article saying, quote, the problem is that all of this kind of trolling behavior, some of it is harmless and goofy, and others of it is designed to look harmless and goofy, but will drive our kids' social media and YouTube algorithms toward alt-right and even more extremist in content, end quote. And this is not the first time this has been used. See, NPR really points out a very interesting contrast. I thought this was something relatively new. It turns out it's not. That just joking thing has been used before in an earlier time. There are, according to NPR, there are historic parallels. Apparently, the early days of the Ku Klux Klan were actually, quote, portrayed by group members and their allies as outlandish rather than as a dangerous terrorist group. The KKK put on racist minstrel shows and created its own songs. It goes on to say, quote, descriptions of attacks by men in hoods who had titles like Dragon, Ghoul, and Wizard were often seen by white Americans as tall tales and ghost stories. Um... Newspapers that supported the KKK played up those aspects of the group and mocked their opponents for supposedly taking the KKK too seriously, end quote, according to Elaine France, a historian at Kent State University. Okay. According to France, um, these pro-KKK newspaper editors would often, quote, talk jokingly about what the Klan has done in order to be deniable, end quote. Um, and France also, again, Elaine France, historian at Kent State University, went on to cite testimony of a Georgia congressman who really worked to play down Klan murders and other atrocities. This is a quote from U.S. Rep. John H. Christie of Georgia in the early 1870s. He said, quote, sometimes mischievous boys who want to have some fun go on a masquerading frolic to scare the Negroes. Uh, end quote. And then he goes on to say that the Klan attacks were, quote, exaggerated. Um, and then claims that, you know, later on, Re Congressman Christie claimed the group didn't exist at all. Um, and then Professor France also said there were some instances that have been documented in the Reconstruction era of white Northerners, white Northerners dressing up in Klan robes and Klan robes 
pushing this joke, just joking idea. Okay. And the reason the truth came forward, according to Professor France at Kent State, was that from the testimony of black Americans who witnessed the, the Klan atrocities. Uh, and then it was published in newspapers and in government investigations. And it demonstrated, quote, the KKK's campaign of lynching and assassinations, end quote. So be, the crimes of the Klan became undeniable. Okay. So this just joking thing that Nick Fuentes loves to pull was done by the Ku Klux Klan. Okay, and I'm sure Mr. Fuentes knows it. Interesting, isn't it? We're we're basically pulling away the curtain to show that the wizard, instead of the Wizard of Oz, uh, the uh, the Wizard of Groypers is a humbug. The Wizard of Groypers, Nick Fuentes, is a cowardly little fraud. Let's move on. Okay. So, you know, once again, we've talked about how these extremists spread hate. And Nick Fuentes is at the top of the heap. All right. Don't underestimate his army of online gripers. They are dangerous. They are not just joking. And we have more examples of closeted Nazism, but those, the closeted and not so Nazism is not only against Jews. As I said before, the Nazis during Hitler's time and now, they rail against everybody. They hate Jews. They hate communities of color. They hate uppity women, in other words, feminists. They hate religious minorities, including Muslims. They hate gays. They hate anyone daring to speak up for democracy itself. So then when you hear somebody like Ye say, you know, he loves Jews, but he loves Nazis. Or when you hear Nick Fuentes uh, talking about how it's okay to use violence against people you don't like, just joking. This is rhetorical gaslighting, people. It's not harmless jokes. Now, I don't believe in censorship, but I do believe in exposing those who would systemically plot to destroy democracy itself in order to push what can only be called a slave state, where only white, Christian, cisgendered straight men have any rights. Consider this concern to be a clarion call for everyone who believes in democracy and equality. Human rights should never be dependent on a majority vote. Human rights are the province of every human, period. But this movement is the logical extension of the originalist argument. We've heard this. We've seen it from Supreme Court conservatives. The originalist argument demands a never-ending status quo where the only humans deserving of legal rights according to an originalist reading of the Constitution are white men who own property. And the rest of us, if we have rights, well, those are privileges. But keep in mind, a privilege can be taken away as easily as it's granted. It's not the same thing as a legal right. But the next piece of evidence comes straight from from the mouth of the jackass himself, Nick Fuentes, on his show. Now, in case you need a bit more information, and I'm checking my time right now, folks. Oh, we have a caller. Okay, hold on a second here, folks. I am going to give me a second. I can't. I, you know, visual impairment is so much fun. 
Okay, the caller's going to have to wait from the 504 uh, code. Going to have to wait because right now I'm in the middle of the show. If you want to, if you want to say something, you'll have to wait to the last 15 minutes of the show. That's just the way it works. Okay, so I watched an hour of Fuente's latest broadcast last night. Okay, he's now broadcasting tellingly inside of Kanye West Studio or Yay Studio, and that was according to Fuentes at the beginning of the show. Now, he didn't have his notes with him, so it was a little more extemporaneous than he claims ordinarily. And in order to be fair, I will start listening to his show. I'm going to take very careful notes. I did take some notes of the most slanderous statements that Fuente said, couched with the, I'm just joking. And here are a few, and I hope you're sitting down. According to Nick Fuente's quote, this country is controlled by Jewish gangsters, end quote. I don't know. I come from. I'm a Jew, and I've come from a family of teachers, clergy, um, artists. Don't know of any gangsters. Another statement Fuentes made last night. Get this quote: Every Saturday on Shabbat, they break off. They being Jews, they break off the biggest piece of bread for the devil. End quote. Now, after that statement, Fuentes immediately shifts to subjects of he discusses pedophilia human trafficking, and usury, right after he makes that statement, which strongly implies that Jews are involved in all these crimes. Okay, it's one of the oldest um, slanders out there, well, the oldest tropes. Fuentes also called out Jews, quote, because they don't accept Jesus Christ as God, end quote. Okay, um, we don't. Don't have a problem with that. There's a reason, all right? Jews, like Muslims, are strict monotheists. You don't have to look any further than the Ten Commandments. The first commandment says one God and one God only, period. That's strict monotheism. As for the issue of a, uh, a Messiah, if you will, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, folks, the Christian concept of Messiah is a deity figure. But the Jewish concept of Messiah is not a deity figure. It's just a regular person who might be a great teacher, I don't know, a farmer, even a prophet, but never a deity figure. Therefore, we cannot accept Jesus as God because you're asking us to commit apostasy. Does that mean we reject his message? Of course not. The message that Jesus preached, the message of kindness, of tolerance, of of compassion came straight from Torah. Why would we have a problem with it? We don't. But historically, as we traveled through Europe, through the diaspora, we were um, victimized by the medieval church. That's just a fact. So, and the fact also is the Constitution, if you, if you have the right of religious liberty, that means as Jews and Muslims, we have a right to not accept Jesus as God. <clears throat> but and I didn't get to take as many notes as I would like to because after he made that statement, he was literally implying and then later stating that Jews were Satanists, devil worshippers, evil, so on, called us pedophiles, you name it. Um, in fact, Fuentes um, claimed that he was being in- attacked by an invisible they in even implied Jews, and a quote, for not bending the knee to devil worshipers and baby killers. Okay. And 
that statement was in the middle of a constant attack on Jews. Then Fuentes got in a really insane territory where he stated that, quote, the ADL, Anti-Defamation League, is asking Congress for $500 million to basically hire assassins to kill us all, end quote. And again, that was, at the, I believe, the 41-minute uh, point. Now, throughout this, Fuentes provided a chock full of slander, disguised as normalized discussion, and harmless jokes, you know, just joking. As I listened, I was really waiting. He didn't provide a single fact that could be supported by actual verifiable documentation. Not at all. Now, by any reasonable analysis, this is slander and defamation. It doesn't matter if it's a joke. Fuentes is gaslighting the public, hiding behind frat boy humor. Fuentes also cries that Jews are behind the attempt to cancel both him and Ye. Now, apparently Nick Fuentes, and I don't know, maybe Kanye as well, have a very weak understanding of the First Amendment. The First Amendment, as I said before, clearly states the government may not censor free speech. And since Twitter and other social media are owned by private companies, they are, you know, those entities can, yes, they can take them off the platform. They can deplatform them. Now, if we had net neutrality back again, then they could open their own platform, I guess, but that's, I guess that's another thing. But all that, and Fuentes and Ye can find another outlet. They're free to do that. That being said, the First Amendment does not permit a blank check on free speech. You can be sued for slander, libel, and defamation. Such charges, if substantiated by verifiable evidence, does not, do not constitute cancel culture. Furthermore, Fuentes, I'll agree, Fuentes and Ye do have a constitutionally protected right to spot off any number of moronic and bigoted statements unilaterally enjoy that right. Those of us who disagree with Fuentes and Ye have an equal right of rebuttal. That's not cancel culture. It's called free speech. It's our right. It's adult behavior. Free speech is not a one-way street. Grow up already. So after this litany of hate and anti-democratic sentiments, Fuentes and Ye met with now-announced presidential candidate, the Donald. After being outed, doxxed, etc., how did fellow travelers in the GOP respond to this meeting? It's a legitimate question. Okay? I mean... Both Fuentes and Ye are claiming they love Nazis. Um, they're claiming the Holocaust wasn't real. Um, they're calling Jews uh, baby killers and pedophiles. They're calling anybody who disagrees with them a pedophile. Um, and again, they're hiding behind that just joking nonsense. But it's still slanderous. So... The next source we have, and I'm going to check here to see if our caller's still there. Nope, caller gave up. Um, by the way, when you call, I will list your phone number on air. That call came from 504-376-4756. I don't play, okay? This is not Fox. It's not OAN. We pay for this time, and I'm not going to have free freeloaders running the mouth. Everything I'm saying here, I've documented. Okay? So let's move on. And I was going to talk to them, but again, the show goes on. All right, so PBS NewsHour. 
they published a piece on November 28th, and it was updated on the 29th. The headline was, quote, we asked 57 Republican lawmakers if they condemned Trump's dinner with Fuentes and Ye. Here's what they said, and it was written by Laura Bannon-Lopez and Lisa Desjardins. I hope I said her name right. And again, I'm going to check our time real fast here. We got time. Okay, so here is the article here. Give me a second here. My computer's giving me a few headaches. So, you know, again, Trump had dinner with Ye and Nick Fuentes, and he claimed he didn't know who Fuentes was, which is hard to believe. But afterwards, you know, the people at PBS, along with several other media outlets, did their homework. And it isn't just the Anti-Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center that have declared Nick Fuentes to be a white supremacist and really a possible terrorist. The Department of Justice itself identified Fuentes as a white supremacist, and that happened last year. Uh, And straight from this article, quote, the Department of Justice identified Fuentes as a white supremacist last year. Um, He's a Holocaust denier who has threatened violence against Jewish people and spread hate against black Americans and other groups. Ye has also been condemned for making anti-Semitic and anti-black comments on social media, end quote. I guess Ye hasn't looked in the mirror. I mean, it's really confusing. Okay, so the meeting drew some criticism. Um, Widespread on the left, the GOP was pretty quiet. Now, there were a handful of Republicans, including Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, that did condemn Trump over the weekend for meeting with Fuentes and Ye. Uh, This past Monday evening, Pence said that, quote, Trump should apologize for the meeting. But they went and they identified 57 Republican lawmakers, and they asked them the following questions. Question number one, do you think it was appropriate for Trump to meet with Fuentes and Ye? Question number two, do you condemn it? Question number three, do you call on your party leadership to speak out on it? And that was asked of non-leadership members. Okay? So I'm going to read. We've heard from Kevin McCarthy... Quote, I don't think anybody should be spending any time with Nick Fuentes. He has no place in this Republican Party. I think President Trump came out four times and condemned him and didn't know who he was. Uh, And this says here, quote, a reporter corrects McCarthy, responding that Trump never condemned Fuentes. McCarthy went on, said, quote, well, I condemn his ideology. It has no place in society at all. Look, the president can have meetings with who he wants. I don't think anybody, though, should have a meeting with Nick Fuentes and his views are nowhere within the Republican Party or within this country itself. I don't think he should associate with Kanye as well. I'm very clear in my position. Okay. I wonder if Mr. McCarthy would have said that if this meeting hadn't been outed. Kind of doubt it. Again, my opinion. Representative Steve Scalise, Louisiana, no response. These are all Republicans. Representative Lee Stefanik, New York, no response. This was at publishing time, mind you. So when it says when I say no response, it's no response at publishing time. Representative Gary Palmer, Republican Alabama, no response at publishing time. Rep- so it's all the same. Representative Tom Emmer, Minnesota, no response at publishing time. 
Representative Mike Johnson, Louisiana, no response at publishing time. Representative Richard Hudson, North Carolina, no response at publishing time. Senator Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky, quote, let me just say that there is no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy, and anyone meeting people advocating that point of view in my judgment are highly unlikely to ever be elected president of the United States, end quote. Okay, um, my question to Mitch is, where have you been since 2016? You did elect somebody president that's fine with white supremacy and anti-Semitism. His name's Donald Trump. Senator John Thune, Republican South Dakota, he said, quote, well, that's just a bad idea on every level. I don't know who is, who's advising him on his staff, but I hope that whoever that person is, that person was, got fired, end quote. Keep in mind, it's a bad idea, but not a denunciation of neo-Nazis like Yay and Nick Fuentes. Senator John Barrasso, Republican Wyoming, no response at publishing time. Keep in mind, Barrasso's part of the Republican Senate leadership, and he's kind of pushed as this moderate, but he's too cowardly to respond. My own, Senator Roy Blunt, Missouri, no response at publishing time. It's fair to note that I think it was a day or two later, Roy Blunt did respond in saying that he wouldn't have dinner with either one of those guys, which again is not a denunciation. It's just saying it wasn't a smart idea. A denunciation is saying there is no room for Nazism or white supremacy in the U.S., period. But Roy Blunt was too cowardly to do that. Senator Joni Ernst, Republican Iowa, it's ridiculous. Well, she said more than Roy Blunt did, but not a denunciation. Senator Rick Scott, Republican Florida, quote, there's no room in the Republican Party for white supremacy and anti-Semitism. It's wrong. I think Republicans should all condemn white supremacy. Keep in mind, Rick Scott's in Florida. There's a heavy Jewish population. He's playing politics. Because where has he been since 2016? Donald Trump has no... While Trump supported Israel, he shit on American Jews. Keep that in mind. American Jews and Israel, they're kind of like two different issues here. I'm not Israeli. I'm an American Jew. I have no desire to move to Israel. I'm American. And, you know, a lot, I've heard a lot of evangelicals, white evangelicals in particular, that say, oh, we love the Jewish people. We give money to Israel. We hope that everybody gets to move there. That isn't telling me that you aren't anti-Semitic. It's telling me that, one, uh, that's kind of a, a polite way of saying we want you to go back to where you came from. I'm not Israeli. Um, and Donald Trump was hideous to people of color. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, no response at publishing time. Senator John Boozman, Republican Arkansas, no response at publishing time. Senator Mike Brown, Indiana, no response at publishing time. Senator Richard Byrne, North Carolina, no response at publishing time. Senator Shelley Moore Capito, West Virginia, quote, it's ridiculous you would do something with someone who espouses those views, end quote. Well, that's a little better. Ridiculous. Hmm. But she's not saying it's shameful. Again, she's hedging her bet. Senator Bill Cassidy, Republican of Louisiana, quote, 
President Trump hosting racist anti-Semites for dinner encourages other racist anti-Semites. These attitudes are immoral and should not be entertained. This is not the Republican Party, end quote. Thank you, Senator Cassidy. I don't know if he means it, but thank you. That's a denunciation. Senator Susan Collins, Republican Maine, quote, I condemn white supremacy and anti-Semitism. The president should never have had a meal or even a meeting with Nick Fuentes, end quote. Thank you, Senator Collins. That is a denunciation. I'm fair. Senator John Cornyn, Republican Texas, quote, it's bad. There's no question about it, end quote. Okay. And, you know, most of these are tweets. But once again, um, it's bad. What does that mean? Bad politically? You know, was it inconvenient? Um, bad that he got doxxed and exposed? Not a denunciation. Not a shock. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican Arkansas, no response at publishing time. Senator Kevin Kramer, Republican North Dakota, quote, clearly it's not our view, it's not my view, I don't think it's his view, but as you know, President Trump doesn't condemn a lot of people who support him, end quote. Senator Kramer, that's not a denunciation. Senator Mike Crapo, Republican Idaho, no response at publishing time. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican Texas, no response at publishing time. This is getting really redundant. Senator Steve Daines, Republican Montana, quote, we cannot tolerate anti-Semitism, period. Okay, that's in a denunciation. What about racism, though? He left out half of it. Senator Deb Fisher, Republican Nebraska, quote, it's not something I would have done. I think it's wrong anytime you elevate comments that that person says, end quote. Okay, which person is she talking about? She's talking about Ye, she's talking about Fuentes. Eh, it's sort of there. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican, South Carolina, no response at publishing time. We're taking as much time to out these bastards. Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican, Iowa, no response at publishing time. Senator Bill Hagerty, Tennessee, no response at publishing time. These are all Republicans. Senator Josh Hawley, Missouri, no response at publishing time and no shock. I called his office and I lambasted them. Keep in mind, Holly's the guy that fist-bumped the insurrectionist. Senator John Haven, H-O-E-V-E-N, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, North Dakota, no response at publishing time. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, again, no response. Senator Jim Inhofe, Oklahoma, no response. Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, no response. Senator John Kennedy, Louisiana, no response. Senator James Lankford, Oklahoma, no response. Senator Mike Lee, Utah, no response. A lot of these people are attorneys from Ivy League schools. They know better. Senator Cynthia Loomis, Wyoming, no response. Senator Roger Doc Marshall, Kansas, no response. Senator Jerry Moran, Kansas, no response. Senator Lisa Murkowski, Alaska, no response. She should know better. To hell with you, Lisa Murkowski. Senator Rand Paul, no response, Kentucky. Senator Rob Portman, Ohio, quote, it was wrong and inappropriate to have that meeting. White supremacy has no place in our nation's culture, and it's antithetical to, to anything we stand for as Americans, end quote. All right, thank you, Senator Portman. Senator Jim Risch, Idaho, no response. Senator Mitt Romney, Utah, quote, I think it's been clear that there's no bottom to the degree to which President Trump will degrade himself and the nation, and that's based on a tweet 
I guess thank you, Senator Romney. Senator Mike Round, South Dakota, no response. Senator Marco Rubio, Florida. This was based on a tweet, quote, I hope Trump will condemn Nick Fuentes because I know Trump is not an anti-Semite. I can tell you that for a fact that Trump is not, but this guy Fuentes is evil, and that guy is a nasty, disgusting person, and Fuentes, in quotes, is an ass clown, end quote. I'm not going to thank Senator Rubio for that because when you look at Trump's record, when you're talking about Nazism, and that's what we're really talking about here, whether it's based in racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, whatever, it all goes under that umbrella term of Nazism. When you're talking Nazism or fascism, it their words carry weight, but people that remain silent their actions carry weight as well. There were quite a few people that when Hitler collected Jews and gays and people with disabilities and anyone else he thought was, you know, somehow not worthy of life, they took them away while their people, these good white Christians they thought were their friends, looked and walked away. So silence says quite a bit. Senator Ben Sass, Nebraska, no response. Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina, black Republican, quote, it's unfortunate that it continually needs to be said, but of course the man who's dedicated his career to stamping out hate and racism thinks it's a bad idea for anyone to elevate racist or anti-Semites. Senator Scott's vision for America is rooted in opportunity, optimism, and freedom, okay, uh, standing in stark contrast with the recent comments from Kanye West and the vile rhetoric of Nick Fuentes, end quote. And that actually wasn't Senator Scott. That was that quote was supplied by Carolyn Andereg, who is a spokesman, spokesperson, I'm sorry, for Senator Tim Scott. To me, that's not a denunciation. What it is is bolstering Senator Tim Scott. And if Senator Scott really believes, well, you can be black and be a Republican, you can be black and be a conservative. But for Senator Scott, who is a black man, to be on the same team as Donald Trump? No. No, I, I think Senator Scott's actions say more than those, those, that very well-worded comment from Ms. Anderegg. Shame on you, Senator Scott. Senator Richard Shelby, Alabama, no response. Senator Dan Sullivan, Alaska, no response. Senator Tom Tillis, North Carolina, quote, if the reports are true and the president didn't know who he was, whoever let him in the room should be fired. And the source was a tweet. Um, that's, not a, that's not a denunciation of Nazism. It's just saying, poor dumb Donnie, somebody let that bad man in. And he didn't know. Oh, poor, poor dumb Donnie. Nonsense. Senator Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, no response. And the Senator Tommy Tuberville, Alabama, quote, in parentheses, Trump could make better choices. Again, it's a tweet. That's not a denunciation. That's just saying, hmm, he should have made a better choice. And the choice probably would have been probably saying that, you know, he shouldn't have gotten caught. So the hell with you, uh, Coach Tuberville. Senator Roger Wicker, Mississippi, no response at publishing time. 
disgraceful. And this particular piece was prepared with reporting from, additionally, Ian Cousins, Tariana Evans, Matt Loffman, Kyle Medura, and Ali Schmitz. Well, that says a lot for Republicans, doesn't it? Okay. Let's go back. Mm, disgrace wasn't. So the silence of the GOP is deafening. Many were too cowardly to say anything, much less denounce Trump, yay, and Fuentes. They either refused to respond or they offered a meek statement, which falls short of an actual denunciation. And Trump himself first claimed he didn't know who Fuentes was, which is kind of hard to believe considering Fuentes worked for a group that routinely communicated with Brad Parscale of the Trump administration. There's a piece here from Politico magazine. Now, in all fairness, Fuentes was employed by Right Side Broadcasting. And Right Side started out as a one-man live stream operation. And and basically the headline from Politico magazine was, quote, pro-Trump TV network has big league dreams. And it goes on to say Right Side Broadcasting started as a one-man live stream operation. Now it's coming to D.C. and it's got the president's ear. Written by Alfred Miller. This was in January of 2017. Now, in all fairness, Nick Fuentes was employed by the right side in 2017, but he was fired before he was fired in August of 2017. So when this political piece was done, the beginning of 2017, where they were, you know, all there, you know, with Trump, Fuentes was employed by them. Okay. And this goes on to, you know, say that, um, Let's see now. They've streamed live on YouTube. In 2017, they racked up a combined. This was, let's see now. It says here, quote, starting last July, which would have been July of 2016, RSBN started, I'm reading from this, started regularly sending cameramen to film Trump rallies around the country. Today, that's of January of 2017, the resulting videos which stream live on YouTube have racked up a combined 116 million views in RSBN's YouTube channel, the most comprehensive collection of Trump political footage anywhere, and it goes on and on and on. It rivals MSNBC, CBS News, and so on. Um, and it's headed by a guy named, his last name is Seals, and because they were willing to do Trump's bidding, or what they call it, positivity towards Trump, um, they got more than just viewers. Quote, during the camp gave RSBN prime real estate in press risers and rallies and a direct line to its social media team still active today. Seal says he messages regularly with Trump's director of social media, Dan Scavino, who was named to the White House communications team, digital director, Brad Parscale, and assistant director of data analytics, Avi Berkowitz, the mastermind behind the Trump campaign's own pre and post debate talk shows, Trump Tower Live, which streamed on Facebook. Okay. Um, it goes. This article goes on to say, "Quote on Halloween, when the Trump press team decorated pumpkins for its traveling press corps, it gave RSBN Right Side Broadcasting's logo equal footing with those of NBC, Fox, said Fox, CBS, CNN, and ABC. And next week, RSBN cameras and reporters will be at the inauguration inaugural balls, including the so-called Deplora Ball." whose guests include far-right radio host Alex Jones and former Trump advisor Roger Stone. Okay, 
So the bottom line is uh, Nick Fuentes was employed by Right Side Broadcasting at the time this was published. According to Alternet, then, he was fired in uh, August of 2017. Okay, if I'm reading this correctly, I have to make it bigger. Can't see it. Um, let's see now. So, yeah, the an alternate says, quote, teenaged alt-right figure Nicholas Fuentes, who gained attention and scrutiny after attending the white supremacy rally in Charlottesville earlier this month, is no longer affiliated with the Auburn-based Right Side Broadcasting Network, which aired his controversial America First confirmed RSBN CEO Joe Seals. Okay, so they did fire him. Got to be fair. So once again, how in the hell could Donald Trump claim that he didn't know who Fuentes was? I mean, maybe he didn't remember his name, but he knew the face. Let's cut the crap so, you know, what Donald doesn't understand is that if you're going to lie, you have to have a really good memory. Seriously. Otherwise, you're going to get caught. And he got caught. But, you know, if that wasn't enough, we have the Donald issue another insane rant on his own truth soldier. Truth social. Okay, let me start again. All right. Checking the time here, folks. We still have time. So. After all this craziness, now, because of the fallout, I think it's because of the fallout from his dinner with Fuentes and Ye, he issued this insane rant on his own truth social, demanding we throw out the Constitution, I guess make him dictator. And again, um, excuse me, I, I copied and pasted it. This is from Donald J. Trump at Real Donald Trump, and it was uh, put out on Truth Social a day ago. Quote, so with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception and working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type of magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles even those found in the Constitution, our great founders did not want and would not contone false and fraudulent elections, end quote. And apparently, dumb Donnie doesn't know the, the punctuation rule about when you use capital letters. But straight from the jackass's mouth, he can't claim he didn't say it because he did. Okay? All righty. So... Give me a second here. This is what we're dealing with. Okay. Now, we covered a lot. And, excuse me. What I'm going to do, seriously, here are the papers. Sorry about that. You know, this is, it's like the never-ending nightmare. But with those of us that believe not only in democracy, but also in, um, you know, equal justice and equal rights for all, we have to stick together. We just do. We cannot let these bigots terrify us. We also have to get on friends and family members that want to remain neutral. They can't. Okay? They just can't. They're, you know, 
when you're remaining neutral, you're saying that you're going to just let things happen. That's all. And you have to remember, this blatant Nazism coming from Nick Fuentes and Yay, and yes, Donald Trump is really the logical end product to the not-so-closeted bigotry, as I've said before, pushed by the GOP since the Southern strategy. Now, in all fairness, the Democratic Dixiecrats did it before then. Okay? It's the truth. But by the Southern strategy, conservative lawyers that concocted the scam of a doctrine called originalism, and let's originalism is Jim Crow and Jane Crow for all women. It's dressed up in a Brooks Brothers suit. And the intent of originalism is to maintain the status quo so that the only people, according to an original reading of the Constitution, that have voting rights and thus really have any rights are white men who own property. Now, we've had laws adjust since then and amendments added, but don't think that's enough to protect you. Originalists, they really want to maintain the status quo where the rights of the rest of us are privileges that can be taken away as easily as they're granted. Look what happened with the right to privacy and the Dobbs decision. When I'm talking, notice I didn't say abortion, I said the right to privacy, because the Dobbs decision was about so much more. If you don't have a right to privacy, that means the state can come in and they can pass laws against interracial marriage or interracial relationships, gay relationships, um, you know, relationships between two different people, different religions. They can interfere in a whole host of ways. It's truly dangerous. And originalism plays right into that. It's basically saying, it's kind of the, the uh, I'd say the litigious equivalent of finders, keepers, losers, weepers. It maintains that unjust status quo. Now, the bigots are emboldened. They're going to go full Nazi with punks like Yay and Fuentes leading them down the insane rabbit hole. And they, they try and give some plausible deniability to this, just joking. Well, I'd like to beat the living shit out of Nick Fuentes and pound his head into the pavement. Just joking, not. Keep in mind, I would never actually do that. There's a part of me that, yes, would like to sue the little bastard for slander and defamation, definitely. And I really don't understand certain groups because Fuentes makes a point of slandering the Anti-Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center. They should sue him. Alex Jones got sued. They should sue Fuentes uh, for slander and defamation. But, you know, once again, we watch, and, and Ye gets a lot of attention for this. He whines about lost business, and he blames Jews for all his current woes. So then Ye hooks up politically speaking, that is, with Nick Fuentes, and the two of them dine with the Donald. Now, the fact is, we have the right, again, to, to boycott, okay? Ye insults my people. There's no way in hell I'm going to buy any of his ugly clothes, even if I could afford them. And they are ugly. But, you know, in conclusion, once the proverbial... I'm just going to say, once the proverbial shit hits the fan, then Trump backpedals and claims he didn't know who Fuentes was, except that's nonsense. He most likely did. And now Trump is screaming that, you know, he he wants to toss the Constitution. There's no shock in any of this. 
because Donald Trump, in my opinion, thinks like a mob boss, thinks like a dictator. It's all about him. He doesn't believe in democracy. And the Republicans that get behind him so they can hold on to power, they're worse, in fact. They're absolutely worse. And, you know, I wrote down a quote. Let's see if I can find it here. Let's see. Where is it? I've got so many papers here that I, I've lost it. Okay. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, I can't find it. So I'm going to have to look it up right now, okay? So there's a quote that, of course, Nick Fuentes would have a problem with. It's from Ellie Weissel, um, who survived the Holocaust as a boy, wrote a bestseller called Night, describing his, his actual experience in the Holocaust as a child. And he talks about the nature of, you know, all of this. He says, quote, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death, it's indifference. The fact is that when you talk about, um, excuse me, when you talk about, and we've got that caller again. I'm going to get to him in a minute. When you talk about, um, you know, about the Nazis and the indifference that we see coming from them, then, you know, again, these these extremists could not get halfway, could not get half of their goals fulfilled if it weren't for the indifference of the average person who really just doesn't want to get involved. All right. Now we have some time left, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let this person talk, at least for a little bit. So we have a caller from the 504 zip code. Let's see, which thing do I push? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's this one here. We'll find out. I don't know if it's Hello, greetings. Not. Hello. Gre- greetings. I was enjoying listening to your monologue. Of- I'm uh, calling from New Orleans. I'm also a host of a blog talk radio program called New Orleans, New Orleans Wake Up. And so uh, I was uh, listening to your, your monologue, and you were very correct on many things about Kanye and uh, Nick Fuentes. But I, I, in, in the despicable comments that they have made and they continue to make, and I, I'm trying to make sense of all of this, particularly with Kanye West, and particularly mm-hmm. with the reaction against uh, the, the basketball player Kyrie Irving, and I, what's mm-hmm. going through my head is, is all of this noise a diversion from the real big elephant in the room? And that elephant in it? the room is okay. the, is the fact that the United States government, with taxpayers' dollars, are mm-hmm. supporting Nazi elements in Ukraine. And I find it very interesting that the Jewish community worldwide, and there are also debates in Israel, by the way, on television mm-hmm. uh, about uh, this Stefan Bandera, who's Ukraine's national hero. He killed Jewish people. And many okay. Israelis are having problems with 
the Israeli officials ignoring this and supporting and training members of the Azov Battalion who are Nazis. That's very well known that that's a Nazi component. Okay, sir, sir yeah. I appreciate you calling in because we're on limited time here. Um, to address with you, first of all, I don't know sports. I'm going to be the first to admit it. I had to look up who Kyrie was, and it's just because I don't follow any sports. Um, I think that with Mr. West, you know, it's been stated that apparently he has a, a diagnosis of bipolar. Um, I don't think mental illness is an excuse, however, for bigotry. Regarding the situation in Ukraine, I'm speaking as a Jew as well and as an American. Um, Russia attacked Ukraine. Uh, Russia broke a treaty that was worked out back in the 90s with multiple American administrations. And what happened was, I forget the name of it, but Ukraine, there was a, a sizable amount of nuclear weapons that had been left behind by the USSR. And Ukraine allowed Russia to take all that in return for a guarantee that Russia wouldn't attack them. Russia broke the treaty. Now, whatever you think about Ukraine, and it is serious, the fact is um, Vladimir Putin is Nazi. And the claims that the Russians fought against Nazis, the only, first of all, at the beginning of World War II, Russia was fine working with Hitler until Hitler then started attacking them. You know, my, grandparents, my grandparents but, came but, from but, Russia. And, and here's right, the thing, I appreciate you calling. But, no, I, I appreciate you calling, but the difference is this. On my show, if you notice, I document everything. And right now, this is not Fox. I appreciate your question. I addressed it. But at this point in time, again, we pay for this time. This, I'm not going to have somebody have their own little soap opera here. If you present documented evidence, that's fine. But if not, I asked, okay. I asked, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, asking me, you gave me time. To- okay, we're done. Okay. Um, I don't like propaganda. He seemed like a nice enough person. Um, again, if he had presented some actual documentation, I might have been more inclined to listen. Again, that what he was saying there had nothing to do with the subject at hand. All right? If you're going to bring in questions, then make sure the questions are about the story at hand, not about your own little soapbox. And if he has his own podcast, he knows better. All right? And, uh, and again, it was one of those things where I addressed his questions, but those questions, you know, were kind of out of left field. I never once mentioned Kyrie. And I was telling the truth. I, I had to look up who he was. I didn't know. I didn't mention LeBron James and all that. This story is specific to this. And I really, I guess it's the teacher in me. I have little patience for people that want to expand the argument beyond what the subject matter is at that point in time. That what if phenomena. We're not playing that game. You know, if this program had been about Ukraine, I would have entertained what he was saying a little longer. But it wasn't. Never once did I mention Ukraine. And again, he had opinions, didn't cite a single source. You notice during this broadcast, I always cite sources. And when I make a mistake, I admit it. Again, we pay for this. Okay, this And to call it a monologue, this wasn't a monologue. This was news. Yes, was it an op-ed? 
technically you could call what I'm doing an op-ed with heavy documentation. But I resent my program being referred to as a monologue, as if I was somehow spouting off my own opinion with no documentation, with no evidence. That's not true. And I sincerely wonder if he would have said the same thing to a man. We're not playing that game. All right? I suspect his voice sounded familiar. I think this is the same guy that called a couple times before. Again, if you have a question and it's germane to the discussion at hand, I will listen to it, again, in the last 15 minutes usually. Uh, But if it's not germane to the subject at hand, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. That that's ludicrous. That's just somebody trying to inject and take over the discussion. We're not having that. Okay? And if you do have a question or a statement to make, it's germane to the discussion at hand, then yeah, you need to have some documentation too. Okay? That was just an attack. It was I'm not gonna say he was anti Semitic, that's a bit far fetched. It was starting to veer that direction a little bit, you know, with, you know, again, because he brought in the, well, you know, these people were fighting, you know, uh, were killing Jews and had nothing to do with the subject at hand. Nothing. And I'm not going to have that. And I don't have to. Like I said, Progressive News Network, we have had uh, multiple guests on the show and its companion show, the Environmental Justice Report. Uh, once again, this is not a monologue. Every week, uh, I download long documents. He's back at it again. It's not happening. Okay. Every week, I download an incredible amount of information. I would say the documentation ranges from anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000 words, you know, I downloaded onto, onto Word. If the question is germane, Again, to the subject at hand, that's fine. His remarks were not germane to the discussion at hand. He went from Kyrie to Ukraine. I never once mentioned Ukraine. To Israel, that's absurd. Okay, again, this isn't Fox. Uh, And as for my monologue, no. This is not a monologue. I will be honest. Is this an editorial or an op-ed? Yes. With any documentation, however. So that's all it is. He can keep calling. It's not going to happen. So we are getting ready now for our Jackass of the Week. And, and once again, to make it clear, I know some people will whine. We've had a few callers before where they whine, oh, so you don't believe in free speech. Yes, I do. But the First Amendment says the government cannot censor. But when I'm paying for the time, I do not have to give him time. That's not the case. Once again, I don't like it when people get on their soapbox and basically are on-air, on-air freeloaders. It's not happening. Okay? So he can keep calling. He can keep raising his hand. It's not happening. Uh, I'm not going to be talked over. You know, I listen. You know, once again, that's not going to happen. And give me a second here. Uh, oops, my phone's giving me some fits here. 
So, you know, so once again, there there seems to be some misconception among people in this nation. They think free speech means that they can call into any show and dominate time and bring up subject matter that has nothing to do with the subject at hand. You know, the teacher and me came out. I didn't once mention Ukraine. I didn't once mention Kyrie. It has nothing to do with the situation. He wanted to divert the discussion. And Again, the whole idea is that there is Nazism, that in Nazism is basically an umbrella that hosts racism, anti-Semitism, other forms of religious bigotry, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia. And, you know, once again, um, I don't think I was unfair to Ye at all. In fact, I really didn't focus on Ye. I focused on Fuentes. And mainly because I acknowledge that Kanye West supposedly has a mental illness. So, all right. Um, But once again, I'm not going to entertain this. You know, I think I was crystal clear on the subject matter that was being discussed today. And it never once mentioned Ukraine. It never once mentioned Kyrie. This was very specific about how the far right uses alleged irony and this just joking thing to give them plausible deniability for spreading hate. Okay. And I cited many sources. So again, this gentleman, he's entitled to his opinion, but not on my time. Okay. So now we're getting ready for my favorite, my favorite part of the show, the jackass of the week award. I'm going to tell you right now, this was a hard one. It just was. I mean, there's so much jackassery out there. I just kind of go, wow. But this one goes to a very special jackass. Okay, give me a second here, folks. Okay. All righty. Here we go. Give me a minute. Phone's a little slow. Welcome to Progressive News Network's Jackass of the Week Awards! Grayon! And this week, we have a very special Jackass of the Week. The Jackass of the Week Award goes to a resident in Florida, Donald J. Trump. Pray on, Donald, pray on. He basically had the utter gall to say we have to throw out the Constitution because poor little Donnie didn't get his way. And and don't you know, people be mean to him and he should be dictator forever. And, you know, Donald Trump's, uh, his, his record speaks for itself. Um, he is a uh, con man extraordinaire. How he gets, especially minorities, to side with him is beyond me, but he does. And, you know, the Press News Network actually started out in Florida, so I know we still have listeners in Florida. And, you know, once again, for this and and really so many other reasons, Donald J. Trump is our Jackass of the Week Award. Bring on, Donald, bring on, you stupid jackass. 
I think it's time to fix him. You know, snip, snip. Anyway, <laughs> oh, that was, I had to go there. I'm sorry. Anyway, that was our show for tonight. This gentleman is still holding on. It's not going to happen. He's been holding for over six minutes. Um, you know, once again, we're going to be looking at this and many other issues. Uh, and then I'm going to, I'm going to keep monitoring Nick Fuentes and what he actually broadcasts. Uh, and then, you know, I think the ADL and the Southern Poverty Law Center, they may have a very strong case to sue Nick Fuentes for slander and defamation, just like Alex Jones was sued. It's not for a specific person, but it's a class of people. I think it, it's doable. So I hope you learned something tonight. Um, again, this gentleman, it's been seven minutes. He's still holding on. Um, you know, once again, I, I just hung up on him. I do not let people commandeer my show. Okay? If you have a question, again, it should be germane to the subject at hand. If it's not germane to the subject at hand, you're just wasting my time. And there's nothing unreasonable about that. Um, you know, once again, it is what it is. Uh, I hope you learned something. And please tell your friends about us. Uh, tell your enemies about us, okay? I, I hope they watch this because, once again, I want them to know that we fight with logic and with facts. And with that, I and again, I know my documentation. With that, I say good night and God bless us because we sure as hell will need it. God save us from the idiots.